Welcome to the Terrorist Therapist Show on Renegade Talk Radio with your host, Dr. Carroll. Though you may not realize that the ongoing threat of terrorism is affecting your life and that of your loved ones. Each week, Dr. Carroll analyzes the hottest topics in terror and helps you and your family reach your dreams despite living in a time of terror. Echo Terrorism, the New Jihad. Welcome to the Terrorist Therapist Show. I'm Dr. Carol Lieberman, your terrorist therapist. And today we're going to be talking about um, something that is particularly timely because um, on November 7th to the 18th, there is going to be uh, the UN Climate Change Conference 2022. And it's going to take place in Sharm el-Sheikh in Egypt. And what that is, is um, it is a the UN Climate Change Conference of the Parties, is what it's called. And it's a global summit on climate change. Now, this is the 27th time that they have been meeting. So this is uh, COP27. Now, um, the people who attend these this conference uh, are people, you know, countries all over the world, um, those who have ratified the United Nations Framework Convention on Climate Change, uh, UNFCCC, oh, God, and that was a treaty that was agreed to in 1994. So each year, the countries come and they talk about what needs to be done, and each country makes a commitment um, to their individual targets which are known as nationally determined contributions. And so each year they, you know, have to report how close they have gotten, how much progress they have made to their, um, you know, commitment of their contribution to towards climate change. Now, um, the... The um, they, them, people, the countries make a commitment to working towards being climate neutral by 2050, limiting global warming to well be- below 2 degrees Celsius and trying to get to below 1.5 degrees Celsius, as well as commitments in terms of the uh, reductions in, emit, in, admit, in emissions of greenhouse gases. So basically every year, well, they haven't done it during COVID. They missed last year. Um, but theoretically, every year they come together and get their report card, kind of. Um, now, uh, let's, what is ecoterrorism? Let's start with that. The basic def- definition of ecoterrorism is that it's an act of violence which is committed in support of environmental causes against people or property. So it's an act of violence towards people or property that is um, in support of environmental causes. Now, as I've been doing research in this, uh, it turns out that there are a lot of different groups who consider themselves as eco-terrorists or uh, climate activists or, you know, the definitions um amongst the groups and what they do and how they, um, you know, what they are particularly focused on and so on is very different. Now, the FBI defines eco-terrorism as, quote, the use or threatened use of violence of a criminal nature against the people guilty of destroying the environment. I love the way they say that, people guilty of destroying the environment. That is a little bit of a biased interpretation, but in any case, a violence of a criminal nature against the people guilty of destroying the environment or their property by an environmentally oriented subnational group for environmental political reasons or aimed at an audience beyond the target, often of a symbolic nature. Now, I'm going to be talking to you. Um, the reason why I'm talking about it today is, first of all, because of this oncoming uh, conference, United Nations Conference, but also because 
there have been a number of uh, terror attacks, so to speak, echo terror attacks, um, particularly in the UK and in Europe, uh, as this conference is approaching. They are trying to make their voices heard um, to make sure that, I mean, I, presumably to make sure that uh, a lot is done at this conference, you know, um, stringent kinds of policies and so on. Um, are made to um, protect the environment. Now, I am all for <laughs> protecting the environment. Let me make that clear. Um, however, I am not for eco-terrorism. Um, you know, I am not for anything that uses violence to get a point across. And um, and so let, so let me just continue and, and tell, tell you about this. Now, there are various... Um, um, thoughts or uh, opinions about when the term eco-terrorism was coined. Some say it was coined by the 1960s. Others say it was first introduced in 1983 in an article where it was defined as, quote, a crime committed to save nature. Now, I don't know. It seems that just seems, um, it, it seems like if you're trying to save nature, you shouldn't have to commit a crime to save it. I mean, it just kind of goes against nature, <laughs> human nature, um, nature of the world, and so on. It, it just, it's its not, uh, it does not make sense. Anyhow, uh, not that terrorists, jihadist terrorists, I mean, you know, radical Islamist terrorists make sense. But um, now, there's also, and we'll, we'll get to this a little later, there are also uh there are it's it's near there are similarities or as i said these different things these groups are kind of melded in some ways and different in other ways and um ecoterrorism comes from the radical environmentalism movement and the which did come in the 1960s or started in the 1960s and it is connected to for some of these groups um the belief that capitalism patriarchal society and the industrial revolution and its subsequent innovations were responsible for the despoilation of nature, the ruin of nature. Uh, so there is a kind of socialist um, what uh, connection to some of these groups. And you'll see that when we talk later about the, um, in the Netherlands, the farmers who are being, um, um, their farms are being taken away and their cattle and so on. And there's, you know, there are other, there are political things under this, which, you know, in a sense, make it more like terrorism. But all these different groups are not necessarily admitting to that. Um, okay, now let's talk about echo-anxiety. Echo-anxiety. <laughs> uh, do you have echo-anxiety? I, I don't have echo-anxiety. Um, well, I'll tell you, I, there's one one kind of echo-anxiety I have. But echo-anxiety, you know, um, like ecological anxiety, in other words, also called echo-distress or climate anxiety, has been defined as a chronic fear of environmental doom. Um, another definition that some people state is that it is, quote, the generalized sense that the ecological foundations of existence are in the process of collapse. Um, some people mix, you know, use interchangeably the term eco-anxiety with climate anxiety. Uh, some people like to treat those terms separately. Um, and, and what's important to note is that although a lot of ecological disruption results from climate change, some is caused by direct human activity, such as deforestation. So in other words, now I'm not saying that there isn't such a thing as climate change or um, that, that in some ways the environment is being destroyed, uh, like the rainforest and so on. But um, but I think that much most of this is hysteria. Now, um, so I've made myself clear here. Um, so, and in particular, that is why I think it is not right to do terror, terrorist activities, terrorist attacks in pursuit of getting everybody to become obsessive compulsive about um, what their footprint. Um, 
Now, so what really uh, perpetrated or the beginning of this echo anxiety started with Greta Thunberg. Her having talked about her own uh, echo anxiety. Now, uh, Greta Thunberg is a Swedish environmental activist. Um, she is, she started, um, well, first of all, she said that she found out about the environment, problems with the environment, and so on, when she was eight years old in 2011, and that made her depressed. And she persuaded her parents to make, to change their lifestyle and make choices to reduce their carbon footprint. Now, as a psychiatrist, <laughs> um, this is not, this is not, in my opinion, her depression and so on was not altogether for, um, after she heard about the problems in the environment and, you know, being worried about the, the doom that, you know, is going to happen to the earth. Her mother was an opera singer and her father was an actor and they were flying all around to do their gigs, their performances. And by getting her, her parents to adopt lifestyle choices to reduce their carbon footprint, it meant that they couldn't fly around to do all these different performances. Now, duh, you don't really have to be a psychiatrist to figure this one out. She wanted her parents to be home with her. Now, she has done a lot of things. You know, she started by spending her Fridays outside the Swedish parliament. She held up a sign that said uh, in Swedish, school strike for climate. And then that started a whole, she got a lot of attention for that. And that started other students doing the same kind of thing. Um, they called it Fridays for Future. Then she talked at the 2018 United Nations Climate Change Conference, and then this this is, has caused ripples throughout the world of students um, copying her, and um, and copying her both in terms of their echo anxiety and in terms of um, what they were willing to do to make their point. And you know the ultimate of this, um, which we're going to be talking about, is the echo terrorism that people, particularly younger people, now granted, you could say, well, of course it's going to be younger people because they're going to be around longer and, and they're, you know, the, the doom, the uh, falling apart of the earth and the resources and, and everything that's supposed to happen with climate change and, and so on will affect them more. Okay, but still it is not an excuse for terror attacks. Um. Now, so echo anxiety, uh, so I was telling you about what that is, and it apparently is growing, and that's largely because not only because of, of Greta Thunberg, but also the media in general, um, because, you know, showing these pictures on television are very um, sensational, get people to tune in. Now, echo anxiety is not in the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual, which is the dictionary that psychiatrists use. It is not officially a diagnosis, um, but it relates to anxiety, stress, sleep disturbance, nervousness, and so on, that people may feel if they get themselves all tied in a knot, <laughs> their undies tied in a knot, because of being afraid that the world is going to end. Now, I'll tell you the truth. I am much more concerned, more anxiety about Putin right now than about echo, uh, ecological issues. Um, and then there's such a thing as echo guilt. Echo guilt is guilt that arises when people think about times they have not met personal or societal standards for environmental behavior. So like, for example, um, when you go to a hotel and they have waste paper baskets where you have to use one, you know, they're in the top of it is in different shapes, or not just in, in hotels, but all over the place. When you have to, you're supposed to throw certain things and certain things. And I mean, I don't know. Maybe it's just me, and maybe you're thinking I'm terrible that I'm not doing more for the environment. Um, but I, it's not that. I just, I just feel that um, that I'm not saying we should pay no attention to the environment. But I do think that it has gotten to a point of hysteria that is doing more harm than good. Now, I'll tell you what gives me echo anxiety. I live in California, 
And Gavin Newsom, the governor, um, said, uh, has decreed, uh, he, well, it's an executive order that, uh, in 20, by 2035, um, we will eliminate in the state of California the sales of internal combustion engines. In other words, there, he wants to eliminate all gas using cars. Now, um, and new ones. You can't buy new gas cars, or that's his plan, um, after 2035, or even, you know, slowing it down now. It's starting to try to, uh, to get the companies to, um, make more electric than gas and so on. Now, if you, the question of can you still drive gas cars after 2035? Yes, um, if you can, if you have a car that was bought before 2035. Um, and then also if you could get a used car. I think I'm holding on to my, to my gas car for now. So when we come back, I'm going to tell you about all of these terrorist attacks, echo terrorist attacks. There have been a number that are attacking art, uh, classical multi-million dollar works of art that are in museums. And I'll tell you who's doing it, why they're doing it. And then there are also attacks that have been happening that don't relate to art. Some really crazy kinds of things um, that are being attacked all in the name of um, of preserving. I hope you see the um, the irony in this, you know, uh, all in the name of protecting the earth, um, protecting the world when, in fact, they're attacking some of the most um, precious things that humanity has made. So stay tuned. Um, we'll be right back. Welcome back to the Terrorist Therapist Show, where we're talking today about echo terrorism, the new jihad. Um, now, I promised I was going to get into these terrorist attacks that the echo terrorists have been um, perpetrating, particularly that it has been flourishing recently um, as the lead up to the United Nations Climate Change Conference that's happening in November. So, um, so I've divided this into uh, attacks that relate to artworks, masterpieces in museums, and attacks that are not related to art, all different things. Okay, so let's start with the art. Um, first of all, there is a group called Stop Oil Now. And um, before I get into what they have been doing, they've been very, very bad little people. <laughs> very uh, uh, naughty little. Oh, I know, I know. I'm probably turning some of you off. Why are they bad? It's important to save the earth. Yes, yes, yes. I love the earth. Do you know my fifth grade science project <laughs> was backyard? Insects and butterflies, for which I won second prize in Queens, New York. So I was a, I've been into the environment since elementary school. Okay, uh, going to camp and everything else. So, so it's not that. It's just that. Um, it's just that I don't approve. I don't approve of what they've been doing in terms of these attacks. Okay. So now, before I get into what they, this group has been doing, I want to get want you to list to think about this. This is the organization, Stop Oil Now. Now, um, what's so ironic, and you know, this, this whole thing is filled with irony, what's so ironic is that um, we are dependent, we were, in, in the United States, we were dependent um, on the Middle Eastern countries terrorist countries. We were dependent, beholden to terrorist countries for oil. And we, um, during the last, uh, before Biden, shall we say, um, we were becoming more self-sufficient in terms of oil, which was a good thing because the real jihadists, the radical Islamist terrorists, it is not good to be dependent upon them beholden upon them for oil because um, they don't like us, right? They want to take over the West, of course. And so um, so 
the idea of stopping oil production um, and making being vulnerable to countries that do have, I mean, another example right now is Russia. Russia is, is um, stopping or limiting or, you know, there's this whole big issue of, of uh, Europe trying to get a lot of countries in Europe depended upon Russia for oil. And, of course, that, you know, is a problem right now. So, um, okay, so, so you know, getting back to jihadists and so on, so really um, it's very ironic and very short-sighted and so on to think about um, for this, this, these eco-terrorists to want to get the politicians to stop oil now, the name of their organization. So what they have been doing recently, in particular, um, has been trying to destroy great art to make a point. Now, what they did um, was they threw a can of, um, of soup at the um, at Van Gogh's painting, Sunflowers. You may well know that painting. It's an incredibly beautiful painting. Um, and it was hanging in, um, they threw tomato soup, a can of tomato soup. Uh, on his on his painting at the National Gallery in London, and they glued themselves to the wall where the painting was. And um, and they they wrote uh, one of their tweets was for Just Stop Oil was is art worth more than life, more than food, more than justice? See here we get to the social justice thing. The cost of living crisis and climate crisis is driven by oil and gas. Now, so why would, um, if we don't make oil, if, if the cost of, if they're saying that the cost of living crisis and climate crisis is driven by oil and gas, then it, it does not make sense. Then if there was less oil and gas, there would be more well, they have a whole just, you know, they have their own logic for this. But in any case, they have taken a page out of the Taliban's book, not just the Taliban, but ISIS and al-Qaeda terrorists who have been destroying antiquities. Now, I trust that you know that, um, that they have been, that's their thing, destroying the history of of the world, of the West. And um, and so so to throw you know to destroy this painting now fortunately there was glass over the painting and it was protected but the frame got somewhat damaged I mean that can be fixed but the painting I mean the painting itself is the most valuable part so they their demand is that the UK government halt all new oil and gas projects. Um, and they also glued themselves, they've been gluing themselves to the frames of great artworks. Now, the point of this is publicity, of course. Um, now, at first they were, at first, they were gluing themselves just to the frames or to the walls. And now they're trying, they've, they've um, upped the ante and they've been trying to, to destroy the art itself, just like real jihadists. Um, for example, the Taliban destroyed artifacts like the Buddhas of Banyan, and, Banyan. and um, that was part of the cultural inheritance of all humanity, just like Van Gogh's painting is. Um, so, so basically they're attacking humanity itself with these, you know, distorted thinking. Um, Another another tweet from Just Stop Oil is, new oil and gas will lead to crop failure, food shortages, and the collapse of law and order. Human civilization as we know it is on the verge of collapse. I mean, it's all this um, drama, you know, all these threats. Um, so they're demanding less of the very things that would make their supposed worries disappear because more oil would mean more affordable food and energy. Okay, so that's one of the um, 
one of the arts. Um, let's see. Here's another uh, artwork that they tried to destroy. Um, they have been uh, also attacked, they also attacked Claude Monet's painting, uh, Les Mules, which is the haystacks. Um, they threw mashed potatoes at this painting. And um, fortunately, that this you know the uh, Monet painting was also protected by glass. And then they also um, glued themselves to a 500-year-old copy of The Last Supper. So they're picking you know they're picking artworks that really people love you know I mean not to mention that they are incredibly valuable but that artworks that people will be will gasp at that it was almost destroyed. Um, this is considered disruptive activism. Uh, you know, it's it's another name for it is tactical innovation. Another name for it is terrorism. Uh, when marches and sit-ins no longer draw media attention, then some social movements invent new ways to get people talking about them. Now, let's see. Okay, let me tell you about. Then, now those um, climate activists that threw uh, mashed potatoes on the Claude Monet painting, they are called the Last Generation. That's their group. Um, and this was in a museum in the in the German city of Potsdam, just outside Berlin. And they they made a video of it. Um, they went one step further and they made a video of their attack of this painting. And they put it on Twitter. And um, they said, we, um, we make this Monet the stage and the public the audience. If it takes a painting with mashed potatoes or tomato soup thrown at it, to make society remember that the fossil fuel course is killing us all, then we'll give you mashed potatoes on a painting. I mean, seriously, folks, this is so um, childish. <laughs> um, and, of course, destructive. And, you know, just I hope museums all over are doing more to protect what they have, the paintings and everything else. You know, um, before COVID, when we were having more terror attacks, jihadist, real radical Islamist attacks, um, I, and, and as we will again soon um, in America and in Europe, um, I was very concerned that museums weren't taking enough, uh, doing enough to protect the antiquities, the paintings, the whatever it is that they have in the museum, because the idea of terrorists, go, jihad, you know, radical Islamist terrorists going in there and destroying these things or or um, stealing these things, I mean, that was a very real threat. It still is a very real threat. We are going to be, as I keep mentioning we are going to be seeing more real jihadist um, radical Islamist terror attacks in the not too distant future. Um, now, let's see. Oh, yes. Now, you know, another irony is that these works that they are attacking, I mean, this is so ridiculous. Uh, and so scary. It's not ridiculous. I don't mean to put make light of it. But in, for example, the sunflowers or the haystacks, these are pictures of nature. So why would you pick pick those kinds of of paintings to attack? Um, I mean, you know, maybe they're trying to say that this is what's happening to nature. It's like a uh, a metaphor, but they're not claiming that. Um, it seems like they're just trying to pick paintings that will get them attention. So um, now one more uh, painting. Um, they have 
Just Stop Oil again, um, that group glued their own head, two people glued their own head to a painting of Girl with a Pearl Earring. Now, this was uh, the Girl with a Pearl Earring is a 17th century painting by Johannes Vermeer. Um, and one of the activists glued his head to the glass in front of the painting. And then, well, actually, some one or two. One person stuck his head to the painting, um, like literally stuck with glue, which was protected by glass. And the other person stuck his hand to the wall where the painting is hung. A third person threw an unknown substance on the painting. The museum said and said our experts immediately inspected the painting fortunately it wasn't damaged um yeah so you know the thing is here more more and more paintings are being attacked and how long before they start vandalizing or attacking pieces that aren't behind protective glass one more um art attack that i want to tell you about uh, this was, uh, again, by Just Stop Oil. Oh, wait a minute. No, wait a second. Um, this was, where is this? Oh, here. This was in, in, in London's Madame Tussauds Wax Museum. Um, also just stop oil. Two just stop oil protesters mushed cake in uh, King Charles' face, you know, in the wax statue of King Charles. Uh, there were four of them, actually, who smushed cake in his face, and they were wearing, as usual, just stop oil t-shirts. And um, the and they took video of it, and um, it, it is said the video looks frightening real, frighteningly real, with Camilla on one side of Charles and William on the other side. Um, and why they were arrested? In most of the in these cases that I'm telling you about, they've been arrested, but what's going to happen to them is not clear. And the reason why, as usual, for for just stuff oil. Um, or stop, I say. Um, uh, so that just stop oil, yes. Um, uh, so they, they took videos of it, and that's why, of course, they're able to, to, um, to promote it more, you know, aside from the media that took pictures of it when it happened. Now, uh, apparently, they're saying that um, they, they're trying to say that the reason why they did this, now I don't know that this is true, but uh, a representative of Just Stop Oil <laughs> said um, that last year at this uh, UN meeting that is now going to be happening soon, um, Queen Elizabeth said, quote, the time for words has moved to the time for action. The science is clear. The demand is simple. Just stop new oil and gas. It's a piece of cake. So this is the reason, supposedly, why Just Stop, stop Oil put cake in the face of Charles, of his statue. Now, I don't know. I, I have trouble believing that. Um, I really like Queen Elizabeth. And I have trouble believing that she would say that to Just Stop Oil, New Oil and Gas. Anyway, the issue is with King Charles, we're going to be seeing what he does. He was a very big environmentalist. I'm not saying he was a terrorist, but um, and then he said when he became king, he's going to now not um, promote his causes because as king, you know, you're not really supposed to do your own personal causes. But for the queen's funeral, he did... Um, you know, there was a decree uh, issued, and presumably it came from him, that people who were coming to the funeral, dignitaries, um, had to use means of transportation that was good, that were good for the environment. So we'll see just how long he is able to um, not 
uh, pr promote his cause um, in terms of being an environmentalist. All right, when we come back, I will tell you about uh, other attacks of these eco-terrorists um, and that weren't in relation to art and were um, to different, uh, they did it in different ways. And, um, and again, some, some of the politics that might be behind, um, and then I'll talk about the Dutch farmers and some of the politics um, hiding behind some of this. So stay tuned. You're listening to um, the Terrorist Therapist Show. Welcome back to the Terrorist Therapist Show, where we're talking about eco-terrorism, the new jihad. Um, I'll, in this segment, I'm going to tell you some of the other things that some of these groups, these eco-terrorist groups, have been have been attacking, <laughs> the terrorist attacks that they've been making, um, that aren't related to art. I was I just uh, described some of the ones that related to these masterpieces in museums, but then they're not confining themselves to that. Um, now, so for example, one other thing, and this is in, I'm talking about things that were done in recent months uh, as a lead up to the UN conference in November. Um, now, so there was a group, again, Just Stop Oil, um, it seems that Just Stop Oil is perhaps one of the most um, um, violent of, you know, they're they're not, they're going to greater lengths than some of these other groups. Um, so now, so one of the things that they did is they stormed onto the Formula One track at Silverstone. This is in, um, this is all from the UK. Um, they put countless lives at risk, and um, they they went onto a racetrack. In other words, there were six um, ter terrorists, <laughs> six eco terrorists, who went onto the racetrack, and they went in particular to what's called the Wellington Strait the fastest point of the track, before sitting down during the opening lap. Now, can you, can you, can you believe this craziness? Um, I mean, do you see how dangerous that is, like making the, the race cars stop to avoid hitting them? I mean, this is insanity. Now, fortunately for them and for um, the uh, fans and so on, there was, well, it wasn't, there was a, a crash. I mean, it's not fortunate that there was a crash, but um, there was a crash by an Alfa Romeo driver. And so they stopped the race um, for the crash, you know, to deal with the crash. And that is what uh, stopped the these eco-terrorists from being sliced into a 100 pieces. And endangering fans, marshals, drivers, all at risk of injury and death. Now that's terrorism. If you remember the diagnosis or the definition that I said at the very beginning, um, that is terrorism. That's violence. And um, They've also uh, blockaded oil supplies. They destroyed petrol stations, um, which cost the uh, the police millions and stopped them from solving murders and other violent crimes. Um, you know, and there, I mean, there there are people and articles and and uh, and um, what experts. I mean. You know, people looking at this and and calling them socialists. I mean, it's, as I said at the very beginning, that there is a connection. Um, now let's see. There is also a group called the Extinction Rebellion, and another group called Insulate Britain. 
and yet um, the media kind of uh, describes them as activists rather than common criminals. Um, on the BBC, for example, one of their one of their reporters said, uh, "Quote: Way more risk of death with climate change to everyone." Oh well, no, that that's what. Yeah, right. This is some of, they're trying to say that the media is favorable to these activists, to these eco-terrorists. And so, for example, the BBC, one of their reporters said, quote, way more risk of death with climate change to everyone than there is attempting to delay a motor race. Well, really, if people would have gotten killed. Um, let's see. Then there was... Then they another group shut down um, a roadway called um, oh there was a judge yes when these some of these people came before a judge and he said he was inspired by insulate Britain protests um, insulate Britain he he fined them but over shutting down the M25 that's a big highway by gluing themselves to the motorway and a police car. And, but he didn't give them any jail time. He said he was inspired by them. Um, then I love this. In the Daily Mail, which is one of my favorite uh, papers, um, he, they said, uh, if we just shrug off this wanton criminal behavior, the UK risks becoming like parts of the U.S where it's become depressingly common a, a depressingly common sight for entire city centers to be boarded up thanks to the threat of hard left protests ignored by the authorities um, okay then another example of an attack uh london echo terrorists target seven gas stations Pumps are vandalized and four courts are blocked. So this is in the UK too. Um, more than 50 environmental activists from Just Stop Oil are obstructing gas stations and abandoned pumps throughout central London. They started at six in the morning. Uh, supporters of Just Stop Oil sat in the road with banners in some spots to obstruct traffic to the gas stations. Uh, in some places, groups traveled from station to station deactivating gas pumps by smashing the display glass or painting them before sitting down and awaiting arrest. Here's another example. They are always coming up with creative ideas. Um, there was a 2022 Paris Motor Show um, that was... That was um, dominated by electric vehicles from various car brands. But even though, you know, you'd think they'd like that, a group of echo warriors, fanatics of the Extinction Rebellion, went on a protest. They held up banners and chanted slogans. They sat down in front of the cars and glued their hands on the bonnets, with the hoods, um, of the exotic supercars. Some individuals from the group even glued their hands and smeared black paint on the bonnet of a Ferrari Testarossa worth $180,000. Um, the group called for an end to advertising. In oh, yeah, here we go with the socialism. The group called for an end to advertising individual ownership of private vehicles. See, it wasn't, they were more concerned in this particular attack with um, not so much with the gas, because a lot of the cars were electric, but with the ownership of private vehicles. Let me start that sentence again. The group called for an end to advertising individual ownership of private vehicles and instead to improve public transportation. They mentioned that promoting personal vehicles as transport of the future is absurd, considering the current fuel and electricity prices. Extinction Rebellion is described as a new wave of campaigners using civil disobedience to draw attention to their cause. Um, 
there were 11 activists in this particular attack who did what I just described at the car show. Um, and there was another attack on um, a think tank, tank building in London. Um, they, the Tufton Street building was sprayed with orange paint and loaded into a fire extinguisher. Um, oh, it was, no, I'm sorry. It was sprayed with orange paint that was loaded into a fire extinguisher during the demonstration. So they're, they're attacking all different kinds of things. Now, um, just let me finish with the Dutch farmers because I, I, I'm really, I don't know if you've, presumably you, you may have heard about this, but it's not getting as much attention as it should. Um, the, in, in the Netherlands, the um the government is trying to um is trying to um have the country's livestock in an attempt to to limit agricultural pollution in the Netherlands so in other words they're trying to <laughs> how can i say this politely um they are trying to uh they don't like the methane that is coming out of cows from the front and the back. <laughs> uh, and, um, and also from, um, um, well, let me just, uh, so, so this all started in 2019. Uh, the demonstrations that the Dutch farmers protests started in 2019. Um, where they were livestock farmers, where they were using tractors to block roads. And uh, now, there, oh, let me clarify something. I am not saying that these Dutch farmers are eco-terrorists. I'm saying the opposite. I'm saying that is it not that the government here, while under the guise of trying to do something good for the environment, is really trying to do something that relates to socialism and relates to um to taking away individual property and that kind of thing. Kind of like the cars, but this is with land. I mean, you know, what? how can you say um, that taking away farming and, and livestock um, is doing good for the environment when these are the people? I mean, that itself is uh, nature and the environment and making the best use of the environment and so on. Um, it really, um, it really, you know, it, it, all these things, all these ironies, these things that don't make any sense, and they're they're not being seen for what they are. Anyhow, um, so the Dutch farmers started protesting, and because they um, they want the uh, farmers to give up their livestock and to to limit agricultural pollution, as I was saying, um, you know, the digestion, basically, of food by the cows. I'm trying to be so polite here. <laughs> I say to give the cows vino, <laughs> and then they won't have to worry about these things. And in fact, I am not so far off because there are, scientists have been coming up with things, different um, things that can be fed to cows that can still make them um, you know, produce milk and be okay for consumption, but that wouldn't make as much methane from their digestive system. <laughs> I think I'd love to take a, out a, um, you know, like a, a sky rider <laughs> above the, the Netherlands, Netherlands and just say, give cows beano. <laughs> stop, stop threatening farmers. Um, Okay, here. So, so there are some people who are calling this for what it is, um, and such as they're saying uh, the Dutch government's attempts. This this woman. Let's see, where are we? Um, for example, um, 
So there is someone who did an interview uh, and said that the Dutch government's attempts at reducing agricultural pollution is part of their contribution to the Great Reset conspiracy theory. Uh, the farm, quote, farmers are hardworking, God-fearing, and especially self-sufficient people that are just standing in the way of their globalist agenda. Um, now they want to evict the farmers from their land. Oh, yes. So in, another person, the uh, Dutch person, Vladingerbrock, uh, said that the government intended to evict the farmers from their land to house new immigrants. I mean, this is all, um, this is all, you know, you have to look these days, you have to look beyond, I mean, it's bad enough, um, what it is at face value, you know, the, this, this terror, these terror attacks by eco terrorists, but you also have to look behind the scenes for what the politics are behind some of these things. I mean, it's bad enough they're destroying Beautiful paintings, things that we enjoy, farmers' livelihoods. I mean, all of this. And this is supposed to be supposed to believe that this is all for the good of the climate or the, I mean, really, when next time you hear about something that's being done for climate change or, um, you know, the, the environment or whatever, um, please, please look behind it and see what else may be the, the real reason why this is happening. Well, thank you for listening to the Terrorist Therapist Show. I'm Dr. Carol, your terrorist therapist. If you would like to find out more about terrorism from me, your terrorist therapist, visit my website, terroristtherapist.com. And if you're a parent or teacher and want to build stronger nests for your kids to become more resilient, Check out my new award-winning book, Lions and Tigers and Terrorists, Oh My, How to Protect Your Child in a Time of Terror. It's the first and only book about terrorism for kids. You can find it wherever books are sold or directly from the publisher at terrorismforkids.com. Terrorism, the number four, kids.com. I'm Dr. Carol, your terrorist therapist. Thank you for listening to the Terrorist Therapist Show on Renegade Talk Radio with your host, Dr. Carol. We hope listening to the show has made you feel calmer, more resilient, and more able to reach your dreams despite living in a time of terror. You can also check out past shows on Renegade Talk Archives for more insights.